it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey there, I'm Tyler Zickel, voice of the Vancouver Canadians, high A affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays, and your host for Around the Nest Blue Jays Minor League Podcast. This year, we've moved in with Greg and Josh's terrific Artificial Turf Wars feed so that you will get some of us sprinkled between some of their shows. If this is the first time you've tuned in to Around the Nest, thanks for giving us a try. And if you've been with us before, thank you for your continued support. Welcome to the first episode of Around the Nest 2023. Around the Nest is a podcast where we bring together the broadcasters of the Blue Jays minor league system to give fans firsthand insights about hot prospects and some up-and-coming names that might not yet be household names and a little bit of zany minor league hijinks along the way. Around the Nest began all the way back in 2012 when then Dunedin Blue Jays broadcaster Craig Durham started this project and passed it on in 2013 to the legendary and my personal Hall of Fame voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, Jesse Goldberg Strassler, who skippered it until he handed it off to me, Tyler Zickel, the voice of the Vancouver Canadians since 2021. We plan to drop an episode every two weeks or so, depending on the schedules of all the affiliates, and we look forward to having fun throughout the minor league season, bringing you observations, anecdotes, and so much more from up and down the Blue Jays farm system. So today on our inaugural edition of 2023 Around the Nest, an opportunity to get you introduced to at least two of the three other correspondents who will be joining us over the course of the season. We'll hear from Pat Malacaro in AAA Buffalo and Steve Goldberg from AA New Hampshire. We're recording this podcast on Saturday, April 29th on the cusp of the end of the first full month of the season and certainly all levels in the Blue Jays minor league system still getting their footing just a bit, but a lot of good stuff that we're going to hear about as our episode continues. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Around Nest. Send us your listener questions for a future episode and a great opportunity for you to be a part of this show, because what are we without all of you? So without further ado, let's kick things off with the top of the Blue Jays minor league system as we welcome in Pat Malacaro. Pat, good day. You're coming to us from Gwinnett County as the Bisons get ready to continue their series with the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. Those stripers, first and foremost, happy 2023. Good to have you on board as always. And I know you are off and running as you've been working the longest of anybody who will be making a report today. How are things going at the top of the ladder? Things are going well through 24 games. We're now just about a month into the season and we're now in the ABS era of AAA baseball, not only did we have the Hawkeye robot umpires the first three days of the series? But we had the challenge system implemented uh, on Friday night for the first time where each team gets three challenges. The Bisons used theirs. And it's one of those things where if you use it and win it, you keep it. If you use it and lose it, then it's gone. And uh, each team had multiple challenges on Friday night. It's, it's a brave new world we're in. But 
Uh, I think players are adapting to it, and it's something that, um, you know, has rolled out mid-season, early in the season, so it didn't quite start right at the beginning of the year for us. But uh, it's something that I think we're going to really learn our way through this year, and um, guys that have come up through the organization and, and had to deal with different rule changes different years, I think we'll figure it out easier than maybe others, but uh, it's been good so far. Tell us about what you have to do to challenge. Is it a tap on the top of the head? What is the communication? Yeah, so there's only three people that can actually challenge during an at-bat. It's the pitcher, the catcher, and the batter. Uh, you cannot get any influence from the dugout. Otherwise, the umpire can wave off the challenge. So that's part of it. I know it's a big question that people have. And, yeah, you can either tap your helmet. We saw Addison Barger do that in a successful challenge last night. Or you can verbally tell the umpire, I want to challenge that, which we saw a couple of times as well. So a couple of ways to do it. And the way that the technology works, if you're familiar with tennis, and a lot of folks watch the U.S. Open right around Labor Day weekend, it's that in and out type of, you know, is the ball in or is the ball out? That's the same type of technology really we're using. Uh, or if you watch game day, follow along on game day for, for uh, minor league games, it's that similar technology where you've got the gridded strike zone and then the pitch, whether the trajectory of the pitch comes in and then if it hits the zone uh, or not, you find out pretty quickly. It happens in about 20 seconds. Uh, that was probably the longest delay yesterday, almost instantaneous in, in most of the cases, into a seven challenges yesterday. So in about six of the seven, let's say, uh, it happened within 20 seconds and maybe one only longer. First they came for the uh, track man, then they came for the umpires. I don't think AI is going to take our jobs broadcasting just yet, but certainly seems like we're off to a good start uh, with our robot overlords for the strike zone. So we'll see if Addison Barger can stay at 1,000% or 100% with his challenges. Now, speaking of challenges, Pat, a bit of a challenging start to the season for the Bisons off the field. Mother Nature, very much not a Buffalo Bisons fan to start the year. How did the team just kind of find ways both on and off the field to really take what they were given and try and make the best of it. Obviously the win loss record probably affected by that lack of consistent games at the start of the season. What effect has that had as now we can look at back on that with a couple of weeks behind us? Yeah, you really saw it in the first couple of games and the Bison after playing three games in Scranton came home. Uh, the, there was a tarp issue because of the inclement weather that we had. Uh, three straight days were postponed, and the Bisons in Worcester played five uh, five games in three days, a couple of doubleheaders with a single game mixed in the middle. And you could really see that the timing is a little bit off. You, you had a month of spring training, but you go from playing almost every day for a month to being off for five, six days uh, in some cases, depending on you know if you were in, in uh, a game or not um, in, as part of the doubleheader. So you really saw the timing a little bit off. Um, starting pitching didn't go long, but that, that really wasn't much of an issue because nobody had thrown in, in almost a week. So all the pitchers were able to get their work in eventually. And it, you lean on the veterans, right? You lean on guys like not only Casey Lawrence, who have been in a lot of situations, not maybe not the same thing, but similar, you know, long layoffs before. We've, it's not the first time. I can remember my first year as full-time broadcaster in 2018. Uh, the Bisons basically had a week off because uh, it wouldn't stop snowing and you couldn't take the tarp off the field. So uh, the team didn't. Uh, do the same things as, as they did in 2018. Like in, in, that season, they went to an indoor training complex just to do ground balls and different things, but staying loose, going in the batting cages, um, the coaching staff, Casey Candell, Matt Haig, Tim Norton, Norton, the new pitching coach, Jake McGuigan, you know, you name all the different coaches, uh, really just trying to keep things light and, and keep it so that uh, the team stayed as fresh as they could. You definitely saw some struggles, but um, you know, they've really come out of it. And uh, the, the offense, uh, especially last night, uh, with three home runs the first time this year they've had three home runs in a game um, you're seeing some of the young players really for the first time here at triple a um, established triple a players um, finding now that they're a month in the season uh, what the challenges are and how to how to take them on i am very curious about that because looking at the rice roster for buffalo up and down it seems like a very eclectic mix and eclectic certainly as a positive here uh, most notably you wake up today ernie clement is the batting average leader for the triple a buffalo bisons today and he's also among the team leaders and homers along with david schneider former vancouver canadian from a season ago who we know and love here at rogers field at nat bailey stadium which we'll talk about later but what's the addition of ernie been like and bringing some of these veterans in to mix with guys like addison barger cam Eden guys who are just coming up to make their triple a debut this year yeah it's, it's allowed those younger players to see how that players like clement who have been in the big leagues uh, a couple of different times uh, how they go about their business how you prepare for those different positions we know as we've known uh, many players throughout the organization you don't just stay at your one spot you're roving all over the diamond and ernie clement is an example of that 
He doesn't play a lot of first base or hadn't previously in his career, but now he is here at AAA. So how do you go about preparing for that? Winton Bernard was such a great story last year, not only leading AAA baseball with a 333 batting average, but making his big league debut, not quite in the same level as we saw Drew Maggi of over a thousand games, but uh, a decade long uh, minor league career for Bernard and now playing here in Buffalo and the connection that he has to Niagara University um, where he played his, his college baseball as well. So, uh, you know, these are players that are leading by example and you're allowing some of those younger players, as you mentioned, you know, David Schneider had a handful of games for a triple A last year. So did Addison Barger at the end of the season. They showed really well in those games, but now you're here as a full-time triple A player. Teams have video on you. They have scouting on you. They're able to do a little more of a deep dive in their, in their preparation. So how do you make those adjustments? We all, we've talked about it. It's a cliche, but it's true. You know, baseball life, they're games of adjustment. And, you know, these players now at still yet such a young age are figuring out how to make those adjustments and really succeed here at AAA. And, you know, as you mentioned, Schneider with another home run uh, yesterday, one of those three. I think he's one of those players that it, it took a few games, but he's figured it out. And and that, that will help the Bison's team is, you know, another unique thing about this season this year as well is uh, it's a split season. So maybe if the Bison's aren't able to recover from their first half uh, struggles, you've always had the second half to potentially make a playoff run. Pat, you got to get on the bus to get to Cool Ray Field for tonight's 6.05 Eastern start against those pesky stripers and an opportunity here to wrap up with you with this. In fact, we've got a question coming in from Joshua Hausam of the great Artificial Turf Wars podcast, our older sister podcast now as we start this brand new world of uh, being distributed in a different fashion. He's curious to know if the Jays were to lose a starter which pitcher might be situated right now? I know it's only been a month of play for AAA Buffalo, but who would be situated right now to get that call and go fill in and whether it's eat some innings out of the bullpen or as Joshua asked, uh, who could come in and make a spot start or two coming up from the Bison's rotation? It's the same answer I would have given you last year, Casey Lawrence. Uh, he's not on the 40 man right now, but he is exactly what you need. He's gone the longest, he has pitched the most innings, made the most starts for the Bison's this year, has the most strikeouts. So he's a guy who is just when you re-sign him in the offseason, when you come to that agreement, you know that you have him sitting here at AAA. And even though the, the wins and losses aren't there yet, uh, a couple of those games, the Bison's offense really didn't uh, score any runs for him. He's been a hard luck loser a couple of times. So I think Casey Lawrence would definitely be that guy uh, that would get that call up. So, you know, I look to that and, um, you know, it's, it's a simple answer, but I think it's one that if you're the Blue Jays, um, it, it's great to have that depth here at AAA. How can we listen to you as you wrap up the series in Gwinnett this weekend and then go up to Worcester to play those Woo Sox and see friend of the nest, Tyler Murray, voice of AAA Boston. How can we tune into your casts? Yeah, you can find us over at bisons.com, also on our social media platforms at Buffalo Bison on Twitter. We always share links. Um, if you do have the Odyssey app, I know uh, Odyssey is a big uh, uh, broadcasting uh, platform across the country. Find us at the Bet1520. Um, you can find us on the Odyssey app there as well. And uh, this past week, uh, I'm, I'm, I can't ever get enough baseball. We had a morning game on Tuesday. I saw the Braves and Marlins caught up with Johnny Hustle, uh, had him on a pregame show. I may or may not be trying to go to Fenway on Monday when the Blue Jays are in Boston, uh, maybe catch up with a couple of former buys. And so other stuff to catch up on the pregame show besides uh, our game action as well. Just a kind of a preview of what might be to come uh, for us this week. Fantastic. Well, Pat, we'll start the bus. We'll get you going. Thanks, as always, for your uh, terrific additions to our show. And uh, let's get a couple of wins for the rest of the weekend down there in Gwinnett. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tyler. Girl. Always great to catch up with you guys and talk to you next time. That's Pat Malacaro, voice of the truth. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Play Buffalo Bisons on the move to go get on the bus. And we always thank Fat Pat for giving us the good stuff from the top of the system. We're going to go one level down and check in with Mr. Steve Goldberg from the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Steve, good day to you. Welcome to Around the Nest 2023. Hey, the Fisher Cats off to a pretty solid start. I know they're about 500 now, but it was a terrific beginning of the season in Altoona. And you got a lot of guys I'm familiar with who played for the Vancouver Canadians a season ago. First and foremost, how are things going? And secondly, 
What's the 30,000 foot view for AA New Hampshire these days? Yeah, things are going great. Great to uh, kick off 2023 with you guys back on the podcast. Um, like you mentioned, that first weekend in Altoona, three straight wins to open up the season coming on the road. So that's always a little bit of a uh, spark of excitement to get things going. Uh, the Fisher Cats have come back down to earth and, you know, right now they're playing around 500 balls still in the month of April. So it's hard to tell you know, exactly the uh, trajectory of, of the season and of this group. But but just so many guys coming back to the team from last year, uh, 22 returners on our initial roster uh, from last year's team and and a couple more coming throughout the year. So um, so so overall, you know, a lot of familiar faces, a lot of guys that were challenged at the double A level last year now getting their second taste of double A. And we've seen some improvements. We've seen some players still static right around where they were last year. But again, we're still only a few weeks into the season. So, you know, a lot of time for some of those averages to come up. And, you know, you look at some guys and, you know, they're only a big night or two away from, you know, all of a sudden having some more respectable stats. Let's just get right to it. It's something everybody wants to know. Give us your Ricky Tiedemann update. We had a nine strikeout performance a couple of starts ago, then a not so good start kind of recently. So just from your view, Steve, tell us about what Ricky's been up to. Yeah, I mean, overall, that first start was just absolutely astounding. I mean, you couldn't think of a better start in that first outing. And and from his stuff that day, certainly looked to be close to big league ready. I mean, I know that's, you know, really challenging to say, just given his age and given his his lack of experience pitching at higher levels of the organization. But, but based on that first start, I mean, if you're throwing 98, 99, getting swings and misses, you know, throwing strikes consistently, locating consistently, and you've got your two auxiliary pitches, the changeup and the sweeping slider to go along with that, um, you're, not, you're not far off from being usable in a, in a big league rotation or out of the bullpen uh, up at a higher level. But, you know, the past couple of starts, uh, he didn't necessarily have his best stuff in either of the outings, uh, kind of muscled through that second start and then... Uh, this third start just ran into some trouble in the third inning. You know, we saw some flashes of that first start in the second, striking out the side in order on 11 pitches. And then in the third inning, just struggled to locate a little bit. Uh, the velocity went down to touch on the fastball, and he was just sitting low to mid-90s instead of cranking it up to 98, 99, like we had seen in the first couple of starts. So lost a tick on the velo, but it was also a rainy night and a cool night that night, too. So, you know, again, early in the season, you're pitching up here in the Northeast. You're, you're going to have a couple of nights like that. And you're not going to have nights where you strike out nine batters over three innings consistently every single start. So we can't expect that from Ricky. And I don't I don't think the last two outings are any knock on where he is and 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 his progress and his future overall uh, with the Blue Jays. As much as we root for guys to continue to dominate, I am of the belief that a little bit of struggle in the minor leagues is only going to pay dividends at the big league level. I think we know where Ricky Tiedemann is headed, but when you get to the big leagues, no matter how good, how talented, how nasty your stuff is, you are going to have days where things just don't work for you. So if you figure that out in the minors, it feels like Ricky's getting just a little bit of taste of that after blowing through, uh, of course, single A Dunedin last year, his two-month stint with high a vancouver and then of course finishing with y'all in double a it's just a little bit of adversity now i think it's going to pay dividends later and i think you're seeing that from another a a couple of different guys jimmy robbins sam robertson guys who certainly know what it takes to get outs and uh, could have very long and successful big league careers but now that they're in the upper minors they are being exposed to you know more advanced hitter and guys who have the plans we heard pat talking about in triple a they've got the video on you now they know what your stuff is so i feel like a little bit of adversity would probably good would be good i should say for a lot of those pitchers who are coming through new hampshire this year yeah yeah i mean you mentioned a couple sam and, and jimmy um for for examples of that um you know just being challenged at higher levels in the minors and you really get a taste of elite hitters get all that data out here. I mean, nobody's really a shock or a surprise story anymore. Once you hit the double-A level, um, you know, Sem's 100% on the radar. Jimmy Robbins, maybe not quite as well-known um, to people who don't follow the organization that closely, but 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 still, you know, another guy with great stuff and, you know, another guy who's, you know, just working on on fine-tuning a couple of things, trying to locate better to, and, and trying to be more consistent. Um, but, you know, Jimmy... Jimmy really, um, you know, stands out as a guy who, you know, could have a future as a lefty specialist, potentially at a higher level, gets left-handed batters out consistently, struggled some against right-handed hitters to start the year, 
again, doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he's got a fastball with some life on it. And if over the next year or two, you see the fastball go up to the mid-90s range, all of a sudden, if he's hitting 96 or 97 with a couple of breaking balls and a changeup, I mean, he's a guy who could who could easily find a slot uh, up in the big leagues out of uh, the bullpen in the future. Speaking of the big leagues, I want to pitch you Joshua Hausam's question, just like we pitched it to Pat. Obviously, making the jump from double-A to the big leagues, certainly not unheard of, but less likely if the Blue Jays were to need a starter. Who would you pick right now after the first month of the season in double-A if you needed someone to make a spot start in the big leagues to go up there and just find a way to maybe get you four or even five innings going from the Fisher Cats to the Blue Jays? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's a much different question just asking uh, AAA versus AA. You know, right. we only have two guys on our active roster right now on the 40-man roster, so it is uh, kind of hard to imagine somebody just going up just for a spot start, you know, to fill one or two games. I, I, I don't think Arelvis Martinez is ready for that. I don't think Leo Jimenez is ready for that. Um, Hagen Danner's on the 40-man roster, really rehabbing with the Dunedin. You know, once, once he gets back to us, you know, we'll see how his stuff looked. I know... You know, at the start of the year last year, uh, prior to the injury, you know, he was a guy who, you know, kind of stood out as a guy who might be able to slide into into the Blue Jays bullpen and, and fill a hole for a couple of games. Don't know exactly where he's out at this point. So, you know, once he gets back here and, you know, we have an opportunity to see him a few times, uh, might have a better gauge on that. Um you know, overall, definitely, uh, you know, Ricky stands out, not not a guy that, you know, you're going to throw up in Toronto for a spot start or two, but certainly a guy who could make a big league impact come the end of the year if they want to push him that fast. A um, couple of other guys coming out of the bullpen who have done well early on. Jimmy Burnett comes to mind. Uh, Parker Caracy has been putting up great numbers here. And uh, Nick Fraze uh, just recently went up to uh, AAA Buffalo um, really, really solid start to begin the year here in four games, uh, bouncing back, uh, missing the uh, second half of last year due to injury. And, you know, he was uh, primarily a starter last year, but now working out of the bullpen, um, you know, went eight and a third innings, had an ERA close to two. So, um, you know, Nick's a guy who could potentially by the end of the year be knocking on the big league door as well. Pride of Texas State, Nick Fraze. Nice to get a little Fraser talk here on Around the Nest. Now, we're going to stick with Joshua Hausen. They do a great podcast, Artificial Turf Wars. He does a really great job, and we're excited to be affiliated with them this year and beyond. His other question, which I didn't pose to Pat, because in AAA, of course, we've got those more mature guys, guys who might be 4A players going back and forth between AAA and the big leagues. But talking to you, Steve, and here in uh, high A, and of course, when we get Andrew Trifley on the podcast for our next episode to talk about single A Dunedin, what about some of the younger guys who maybe are repeating at the level? You mentioned 22 returners to start the year for double A New Hampshire. Some guys who maybe have added a little velo on the mound who might be standing out. I know here in Vancouver, two names, Devereaux Harrison and Justin Kelly in relief really stand to mind. They're now in the mid to upper 90s when they were maybe 91, 92 at the end of last year. So they've put on some velo, as has Sam Ryan here in Vancouver. But what about in double A New Hampshire? Who's added a little bit of juice? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, looking at the uh, pitching staff for us, definitely uh, Jimmy Burnett and, you know, using him more in the later innings is something that we didn't really see consistently until late in the season last year. Um, you know, come September, he racked up a few saves down the stretch. But, um, you know, to start out this year, it's been one inning outings. It's been in the late innings. It's, you know, a lot of his outings have been in save situations. So, so it's interesting to see that focus on, you know, almost developing a, a potential future closer after, you know, going a couple of years without really having a de facto closer and just being, you know, kind of a late innings by committee. And, you know, if it's your day to pitch, your turn to pitch, you're going to get the innings. But they've been tossing Jimmy into those spots. And, you know, I've noticed an uptick in his velo, a little bit harder on the fastball. But again, you know, if you're only throwing one inning versus two or three, you know, there's no sense in conserving. If he knows he's only going to be facing three or four batters, go out, put it all on the line, crank up the fastball, you know, give give 100% of, of your best stuff for that one inning and, and try to get outs. And, 
you know, I've definitely noticed that a lot with Jimmy. Um, I've noticed uh, noticed an uptick as well from uh, uh, Adam Klofenstein throwing a little bit harder. He's still sitting low to mid nineties, but now he's now he's cranking it up to like 93, 94. And again, just a guy who's still really young. And I always forgot about that watching him pitch last year. Last year he was only twenty one. This year twenty two. He'll be twenty three towards the end of the season this year. But you know, if that fastball continues to rise for Cloth. He's got a big frame out there on the mound, too, and, and certainly a guy who's going to continue to pack on more muscle over time. And, and a guy who really seems to, at least over his past three starts here with us, starting to figure out double A, he's starting to locate more consistently. And that's something that, that you love to see out of Adam after struggling through the past two years. Yeah, Cloffenstein certainly an interesting case, and I think you make a great point, Steve. He is still only 22 years old, even though it seems like he's been in the system for years, which is true. He was drafted out of high school in that same draft, Jordan Groshans, and uh, so now for Cloffenstein, maybe coming into his own now, finally, in his age 22 season and an opportunity for his ascension to perhaps pick up a little bit of speed. Now, Steve, we've talked all pitching so far. I'd like to get your temperature on the offense. Luis De Los Santos is your team average leader waking up today, batting 302. Nice to see LDLS doing his thing. Of course, Stuart Baroa, the spark plug who was here in Vancouver for much of last year, is now bringing that energy to the Eastern League. And of course, we've got to get an Orelvis Martinez update from you as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you you mentioned all those guys, and those are definitely guys to you know pinpoint uh, as far as offense goes. Um, offense at times this year has been a struggle. You know, through the uh, first few weeks, um, had a lot of close games and a lot of low scoring games as well. I mean, this team is is pulling out close wins. Um, you know, I think I think there have been six one run games already, which is you know kind of surprising. Not even having played twenty games yet on the year. Um, you know, Relvis Martinez, still the uh, power flashes that we saw from last year, but, you know, off to a really sluggish start to begin the year, just, um, you know, he's putting some more balls in play, but I know the focus with him is trying to generate more power to right field and the right center field and taking that approach of the plate, trying to drive the ball the opposite way. It's been a struggle and a challenge for him. I don't really know exactly how much to read into that. And again, Still a 21-year-old, right? So, you know, Relvis could wind up spending the entire year back here at Double A, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, having a second season at New Hampshire under his belt. You know, he was young last season, put up the 30 home runs, and I expect those power numbers to continue probably at a similar rate, maybe a little bit lower this year compared to last year, with more focus on generating pop the opposite way. But he's still a guy who needs a lot more development. Certainly the raw tools are there and the potential is there. But he's, you know, he's nowhere close to um, to a to a call up to Buffalo at this point of the year or, you know, even making a, making an impact uh, with the Blue Jays, certainly in the next year, if not even the next couple of years. Um, Leo Jimenez is here to start the year, um, you know, still getting a feel for him, a uh, little bit of time on the injured list. So he's back off the I.L. Uh, short stint on the injured list. Um, you know, really haven't seen his full potential, uh, some flashes of brilliance in the field. Um, you know, this year is a big year for him, um, you know, definitely being challenged against double A pitching. Um, you mentioned Luis De Los Santos. You know, when we look at this team um, offensively, you know, Luis is a guy who's, who's stood out uh, in the in the early parts of the season. Seems RBI's leader, but he seems to be getting on base, racking up some of the multi hit games, um, extra base hits as well. Hit a hit a monster home run in that first series that went, you know, well over 420 feet to straightaway center. He's packed on some more muscle in the offseason, too. He's looking a lot stronger now, and, you know, he's he's always been a sure-handed infielder. So certainly a guy who could play at higher levels in the minors, you know, probably our one guy, you know, from the from the offensive side of things that right now I would say is close to close to a uh, call-up to AAA and, you know, certainly could fill a hole at AAA. I would say probably Luis or, or Trevor Schwecki, who's back with the team after – getting a taste in Buffalo at the end of last year and, and Luis was up there as well. So, you know, those are probably two of the guys where, you know, when Buffalo is ready to pluck somebody from us, it's probably going to be Luis and or Trevor uh, who's, who's set to go up there. Um, and, and you also mentioned uh, Stuart Baroa, you know, racking up the steals early on on the year. Uh, you guys saw that a lot on display in Vancouver, uh, just a fun player to watch, you know, always playing hard, always having a smile on his face and 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 brings a lot of energy to the team. And that's something that that the Blue Jays are, are trying to implement this year, trying to be more aggressive on the base paths. And, you know, we've seen that lead to some runners being thrown out in spots where, 
you know, you would have thought that, you know, guys would have been held, but they're trying to take extra bases. They're trying to score on hits from the uh, hits to the outfield from second base and, you know, challenge outfielders, put some pressure on the outfielders to make strong throws back in. And, you know, while sometimes it's frustrating and that leads to outs on the base paths, you know, at the same time, from an organizational standpoint, that's something that they want to implement in these guys. And, you know, Stewart certainly has it with speed. You know, some other guys, it's it's a little bit more of a challenge trying to go first to third or trying to score on a hit to the outfield from second. But but we've seen that early on in the season a lot as well, and that's been a focal point here. I got to tell you, as much as we love Stuart Barroa on the base pass, his fleet feet also make him quite the good dancer. My favorite Stuart Barroa experience from last year, we do the Dancing Grounds crew here in Vancouver, one of the few kind of minor league hijinks that we do here at Rogers Field at Nat Bailey Stadium. And last year, Stuart was running out to center field. This was in the fifth inning when they were doing the uh, dancing drag at, uh, right out there on shortstop. He stops right behind the dancers, and it's a, a Backstreet Boys song, and he starts doing the dance, and he was picking up the court choreography as they were doing it he's doing his thing he's moving his hips he's moving his arms he's moving around 360 degree circles uh one of the highlights last year for the fans we've got some great video and great photo that we'll have to share but uh maybe uh Stuart Baroa first candidate to get involved in a Fisher Cat sumo battle you never know <laughs> throw on the sumo suit and you know have them have Stuart going as uh Bubba Blue <laughs> I'd love I would love I'd love I, would, to, I would love to see that. <laughs> I would like to see him uh, battle, and maybe we put him in the sumo suit and see how fast he can go first to third and try and put the pressure on those outfielders <laughs> with a couple of extra LBs. Hey, speaking of guys who uh, can make an impact, we got to talk about Canadian-born players since we are in a Canadian teams organization. Damiano Palmagiani, who was such a great story here in Vancouver last year, came up from Dunedin halfway through where he just pretty much raked through the entire Florida State League and just picked up where he left off, had four grand slams last Last year, including three here at the Nat, hit a bunch of homers in high A. He's from Surrey, B.C., which, of course, is just 40 minutes south of our ballpark here in B.C. So uh, really a great story. Last year, he was the team co-MVP and now in the upper minors, continuing to do his thing. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and we uh, finally saw that uh, power on display, too, uh, for the uh, first time earlier in the week. Uh, Two-home run game in the opening game of this series, um, helping the uh, Fisher Cats do a win over Hartford. And uh, that was something that uh, Bob Lippman and uh, myself, we were uh, talking about uh, before the game. And we were saying, you know, no no home runs yet from Damiano. A lot of walks. He's getting on base. But we haven't seen that power yet. And sure enough, what does he do in that game? Lines a shot to left, takes another one out to the brew house. So, so two home runs to left field for Paul Magiani. And then great to see him finally get those uh, first two double A homers. Uh, he uh, really had a uh, uh, outstanding offseason too, uh, playing in the uh, WBC. Um, had a chance to uh, suit up for uh, Team Canada, and you know he was uh, talking to us a lot about that. And uh, you know, just just took so much pride in in representing the country and uh, getting a chance to to be on that big stage to to suit up for a game at Chase Field, home of the Diamondbacks. And you know, he really talked about how much the WBC just felt like a like a big time experience, like almost grander in a way than than a major league game would have felt. Um, but, you know, he had that uh, home run against the Cubs in the exhibition game. So, you know, certainly getting a little bit of a taste there. Didn't play in any of the games in the WBC, but, you know, still an opportunity just to be around that level of talent and, you know, see those guys up close, see how they prepare. And, you know, those takeaways that that, that Damiano got just by participating in that event, um, you know, he, he spoke so highly of that. But, you know, he was also, uh, you know, talking to us just a lot about how much he loved playing in Vancouver. And, you know, you mentioned just having his family out and around, but also, you know, not just his immediate family, but a lot of his extended family live up there in the area um, up there in B.C. So, you know, just having them out at, at all the home games and, you know, the amount of crowd support that that he had there in Vancouver certainly gave him a spark. So, you know, we're still uh, hoping that our fans can, you know, keep up the uh, love for him and, 
you know, keep uh, cheering him on here in New Hampshire, you know, other side of the uh, continent. I have seen some footage on Fisher Cat social media of Dom signing autographs, doing this thing with the kids. That was something that I noticed from Palmagiani last year. No matter how the game went for the team or for him personally, he was always the last guy out signing autographs, making an impact, you know, trying to really create memories for these youngsters who would come out to the park. I think of all the guys, everybody in the Blue Jays organization, in my experience, they understand their role and the power they have as pro athletes to set an example for kids. But I think Damiano specifically really does take pride in setting that example and being from Canada, something that I've learned when now my third season uh, with the Canadians and second season north of the border, the guys from Canada this year in Vancouver, Deshaun Brown, another guy who played with Dom on that world baseball classic team for team Canada. They understand that it is such a powerful position that they have. They can make such a positive impact. And no matter what they do on the field for themselves personally, just by being on the team, they can create future professional baseball players from Canada by setting that example. And it seems like a year ago, Dom, you know, making memories for kids here and he's still doing the same in New Hampshire. Yeah, one of the unique things, and and you touched on it, about being a member of the Blue Jays organization is, you know, having a chance to represent not just a city, but a country. And and guys, when they come through Vancouver, it seems like they really get that first taste. If they didn't have that feeling already, you know, once they get to Vancouver, spend some time with you guys and then come through to us. You know, I ask a lot of guys just about their time in Vancouver, highs and lows and you know, what they enjoyed about playing there. And consistently, one of the answers is, you know, the fact that when you suit up there in Vancouver, you're the only minor league team in, in the country of Canada. And and the same thing, once you get up to the Blue Jays, you're the only uh, major league team up there in Canada. And guys, for the first time, once they get to Vancouver and spend some time there, you know, really get that feeling of of the impact that they have and, and the power that they have to to inspire young Canadians to go out there and play baseball and to make a career out of this. And, you know, seeing a guy like Damiano get to this high of a level and, and as he continues to rise and certainly being a member of the Blue Jays system as well, um, you know, you definitely see that a whole lot. You know, there are a lot of familiar names that we talk about week in and week out here on Around the Nest, but curious this year, uh, who are some new names either to the organization or maybe to the Fisher Cats specifically that might stand out for you, Steve? A couple of names that I don't recognize on that roster, at least in terms of their experience in Vancouver. So who are some of those relative newcomers that stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I was just about to uh, bring up Dylan Rock, which was, um, you know, a guy who uh, surprisingly didn't pass through Vancouver, but uh, drafted last year out of Texas A&M. The Blue Jays clearly think highly of him, uh, giving him the bump up to double A. But he's he's an older guy, you know, 24 years old. So that's, you know, right around the time where where you would be up here at double A. Um, so, you know, I definitely understand, uh, you know, challenging him and pushing him. Uh, didn't put up exceptional numbers at needed last year in 21 games, but uh, through his eight uh, games as a uh, Fisher cat, he's got nine hits so far. Uh, he's got a homer, four ribbies, a um, couple of walks as well. So, you know, getting on base, uh, making some things happen on the base paths and using some speed, um, you know, a guy who's been hitting consistently and, and started out this year on the development list. So not a guy who was on that that opening day active roster, but a guy who who jumped off the development list and has really made an impact uh, over the uh, past couple of weeks. Um, another guy who who we uh, haven't talked about yet, you know, he's not a not a new guy for you, but uh, Miguel Geraldo, um, who uh, spent last season in Vancouver, um, had a little bit of a sluggish start this year at double A, but he's picked it up a lot over the past uh, couple of weeks. And uh, Geraldo's seen his average climb from below the 100, uh, below the 100 mark uh, just about a week into the season. It's all the way up to uh, 286 now entering today. Uh, back-to-back multi-hit games against the Yard Goats this week. So uh, Geraldo is, is another guy with some speed who can be aggressive on the base paths, uh, plays a solid right side of the infield at second base. And, and if that bat stays hot, um, Geraldo could be another guy that you uh, hear a lot about. Um, another guy too, uh, Zach Britton that we haven't talked about yet today on the podcast. Um, he had just a scorching time in the AFL during the off season. I mean, put up, uh, you know, ungodly like numbers with, uh, uh, Salt River uh, was an AFL fall star, had a slow start to this year, uh, regular season, but, but Britain uh, short stint on the injured list just came off the IL and, and uh, had a, a three hit game uh, earlier in the series. 
Uh, so, so another guy, again, like good example, just a guy who could have a slow start to the year, but we're so early in the season, you have one or two massive games back to back. And all of a sudden your numbers just go from one side of the spectrum to the other side. So we're still just so early in the year. It's hard to read too, too much into stats at this point, but you know, we're starting to get a little bit of a taste of where guys are, how guys have improved and developed and which guys still need, uh, need a little bit more time here. I definitely think Miguel Geraldo, a guy to watch, a slow starter for the Canadians last year as well. Formerly a ranked prospect has fallen off the rankings this year because they think the offensive numbers and the strikeouts certainly have some uh, work to be done. But certainly a guy, and I'm so glad you brought up Geraldo because I really enjoyed Miggy in the second half last year. He can be that big time bopper when he finds that stroke. And so hoping for a little less swing and miss, but I'm uh, glad he's off to a little bit better start in the second half of the first part of the season here. Steve, wrapping up with you in double A, wrapping up a series with the Hartford Yard Goats, the Rockies affiliate this weekend at the Tooth in downtown Manchester. Nine and ten, those Fisher Cats waking up today, trying to get back to 500 today at 405 Eastern. So going to get you going real quickly here. And then you've got two. It's a two week homestand for y'all. So the Harrisburg Senators, the Nationals affiliate coming to town next week. What's the forecast, if you will? Not the weather forecast. We've got enough weather up and down the system in April to last us for the rest of the year. What's your on-field forecast for the week ahead, and how can we listen to your broadcasts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you can uh, listen to us on uh, WGIR 610 in Manchester, also uh, Fox Sports 930 out on the seacoast. Uh, both of the stations are are available online. Pull those up. We've got uh, links on our uh, team social medias, uh, Twitter at FisherCats, um, and you can also watch us along with everybody else, MILB.TV and the uh, Valley Sports app. Uh, new for this year as well. Um, looking ahead to the forecast, we get a, a couple more uh, Ricky Tiedemann starts on the homestand, which is always, you know, a whole lot of fun just to see him go out there and pitch and, you know, the amount of uh, prospect buzz and uh, Blue Jays organization buzz around him. So certainly looking to bounce back after two of his, you know, not so best starts at double A um, and try to get back to more of what we saw in that first outing a little bit more uh, consistency for him over his next couple of outings. Um, he's scheduled the pitch tomorrow, 105 start, uh, weather permitting, of course, and then uh, he'll likely make another outing against Harrisburg in the next series. Um, that series against the Senators, we get our first morning start of the year. So 1105 uh, early start on Wednesday next week. Um, and we've also been playing uh, 405 Saturday home games uh, early in the year. So we had one against Portland, one today against Hartford, and once again next week, our final 405 game of the year. So get some of those shadows in play for the 405 game. So, you know, that's always uh, fun to talk about and watch as a broadcaster, as you know. And a little Gatos Feroces tonight, a little Copa de la Diversión. Are you getting a Chivos to Hartford on the other side? Did they bring their Copa jerseys as far as you know? That's what we requested. I'm not sure if they wound up <laughs> packing them and bringing them along. You know, last year we did have a uh, Gatos versus Chivos night. So uh, surprise down there in the clubhouse. We'll see what they come out in today. Well, Steve, muchas gracias for joining us. Have a great call tonight. Always a pleasure getting your thoughts on AA New Hampshire. And most importantly, go Cats. Yeah, go Cats. Vamos Gatos. <laughs> that, is Steve, that is Steve Goldberg, voice of the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Steve, cheers to the rest of your day and uh, cheers to a little Blue Jays baseball along the way. Yeah, great to chat with you again, Tyler. Always great having Steve on board. And now, without Andrew Trifley today, but we are going to get single A Dunedin along the way this year. AT is arguably the busiest man in the Florida State League, whether he is at TD Ballpark or at one of the other ballparks in the Florida State League following the action for the DJs. So that is to come here on Around the Nest. But for now, a quick update from here in single A, high A, specifically Vancouver, where today the Seas are going back to action against the Eugene Emeralds, last year's Northwest League champion. This has been a bit of a revenge week for the Seas. They got swept out of the Northwest League Championship Series by these Emeralds last year, three games to none. And then in game one of this set, well, the Seas unfortunately kind of picked up where they left off. But entering the fifth of the six games this week, the series is tied at two games apiece. And it's number 11 Blue Jays prospect, the 20-year-old Venezuelan phenom Diane Santos, making his third start of the year. He's been quite solid, and certainly after his auspicious start to his high A career a season ago, this is certainly a guy to watch and somebody who, going back to Joshua Hausman's question about young pitchers who have added velocity, added movement to their breaking pitches, and as well 
well as uh, adding some bulk in the case of Diane Santos, who is still 175 pounds soaking wet. He has certainly added a little bit of strength and the pitching certainly showing that he has put in the work in the offseason, that fastball now mid 90s. And he's got a terrific slider and the combio, the changeup. He showed me the pitch grip the other day. In fact, we had longtime friend of Around the Nest, Doug Fox, here in Vancouver visiting from Ontario. He showed Doug the pitch grips as well. And Doug and I had a great conversation after the fact about how Diane, as the English continues to get better, he continues to let his performance do most of the talking for him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the hottest players on the Canadians roster right now, the pride of South Bend, Indiana, and a pickup in the 2021 draft in the 12th round. That's Riley Tirada, who wakes up today with the fourth highest average in the Northwest League. He's batting 368. He's got a knock in each of his games played this week, and he's also among lead, league leaders in on-base percentage, slugging percentage. He's got the fifth highest OPS in the circuit right now at 1.100. That's the fifth highest, as we said, and also among league leaders in doubles and homers. So Riley Tirada who authored the first four-hit game by a Canadiens batter in Friday's win over the Emeralds with a final score of 7-2. to two. He's looking to stay hot as the Seas play a Saturday matinee here at Rogers Field at Nat Bailey Stadium on this Saturday, April 29th, when we're recording our conversation for Around the Nest. One thing worth noting about what's been going on here in Vancouver, certainly it's our largest field staff ever. There are over 10 bodies down there on the coaching staff, but most notably Ashley Stevenson, champion women's baseball player for Team Canada over the course of her playing career. She was also a multi-time collegiate hockey champion at Wilfrid Laurier, so she brings that winning pedigree. And as I look out on the field right now here at, at the Nat, I see Ashley working with second rounder from last year out of Oregon, Josh Kasovich. Ashley's on the machine. Josh has got the little miniature short hop practice glove on. And Josh showed me this great set of specs that he wears that has basically uh, the bottom half is covered. So instead of being completely blinded, the bottom half of those specs are covered, which really forces you as an infielder to get down and see that ball into your glove. You know, I remember from the Little League days, Little League coaches telling us, I want to see the cap of your hat when you watch that ball come into your glove. Well, Josh has these specs that he wears, and he gets a lot of extra work in with Ashley, as well as with the manager, Brent Lavalley and bench coach Danny Canaeus. Josh, as described by Brent, he is a machine. And in his first full season as a pro, he's off to a really solid start as well. You know, we've talked a lot about ranked prospects on our episode today. We make a lot of hay about where those rankings fall every year. And on paper, this high A Canadians roster to start the year is the most talented in the Blue Jays system. Nine of those top 30 prospects highlighted by Kate Doty and Adam Mako in the top 10. You got Diane Santos and Gabby Martinez, 11 and 12. Kasovich, 13. Dasan Brown, who's off to a slow start with the weather being a little bit colder here in Vancouver. As the weather warms up, so will Dasan. He's the number 15 prospect. Alex DeJesus, who was acquired from the Dodgers in the same deal that brought Mitch White over from L.A. He's number Number 21 as Steven Machado, number 24, and maybe the guy who set spring training on fire the most besides Addison Barger, Rainer Nunez, who is a new dad and was away from the team for about a week, uh, becoming a father. So cheers, Felicidades to Rainer. He's number 26 on those rankings and certainly a guy who will continue to heat up as the weather does as well. So we've really enjoyed watching those guys and the rest of this roster perform seven wins, eight losses. There was a five game losing streak in Everett that kind of bled into this week against Eugene. But I think the Canadians with a couple of great wins this week are certainly on the other side of that skid and a great opportunity to turn the corner as we head south to Hillsborough next week and take on a hops team that just had a 10 game losing streak of their own. So if you thought things were bad for the seas when they were losing five straight, it was a whole lot worse for the uh, high A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks who went six and one to start the season. And then they 
they looked up and they were 6-11 and 11 in Northwest League play. Uh, before we wrap up the Canadians update and wrap up our episode today, it's worth noting that the Seas, for their part, have struggled with command on the mound. Entering play today, they have the highest team ERA, they have the highest starter ERA, and the highest relieving ERA, because at one point, 40% of the runs that the Canadians pitching staff had surrendered this year had reached base via walk. That is no recipe for success. And so when you're giving all those freebies, especially uh, to a high-powered Everett Aquasox offense last week, that's the Mariners affiliate and the Eugene Emeralds who have just basically reloaded after their championship season a year ago, you can't win games when you put guys on base and when you're down early. For example, Adam Mako made his first start here in Vancouver after making his season debut last week against his former team in Everett. Team was down 2 nothing in the top of the first and 5 nothing after two. Mako, for his part, not terrible, just some bad luck. Gave up seven hits in the first two innings. Of those seven hits, four didn't leave the infield, so kind of just to hang with them for Adam Mako. But a good example of how playing from behind is really no recipe for success, and I think you can hang some of the losses of late on the fact that the Canadians' offense had to play catch-up, and there's really no way to get that mojo going the same way when you look up and you're down 5 nothing before your team has had a chance to get more than two or maybe three at-bats. So an opportunity for the Canadians to start hot and stay hot, and the stats bear it out. The Seas, after yesterday's win, they are 5-1 and one this year, when they draw first blood. So a great opportunity for the Canadians with a 105 start on this Saturday, April 29th to get hot like the weather here in Vancouver today. It's a beautiful blue sky day here in the lower mainland and the Canadians are looking to make it two in a row. And then they wrap up their series with Eugene tomorrow, the 30th before the off day Monday and the first of six down in Hillsborough Tuesday night at the Tonk. And of course the Canadians with a very special connection to Ron Tonkin field from two seasons ago. You can find our broadcast here in High A Vancouver. It's Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. As Steve from AA mentioned, Bally Live, the Bally Sports app, and MILB TV, and of course, CanadiansBaseball.com and at Van Canadians for all things social media to stay up to date with the High A Blue Jays playing north of the border and holding it down at venerable Nat Bailey to be the only affiliated minor league team in all of Canada. So a little high A Vancouver update for you and a great way to finish our inaugural episode of the 2023 around the nest season. Really great to be back. We will get some regular content coming your way. We're going to have the entire system get updated for our next episode when Andrew Trifley joins us. So we'll go single a high a double a and triple a always love it when the nest is full all the hatchlings are chirping and certainly lots of excitement ahead up and down the system and hey we didn't even talk about the big league club who are off to a terrific start in john schneider's first season as the manager capital t capital m and i know we'll get into that for our next episode but for all of us at around the nest including our producer leo mui triple a buffalo pat malacaro and double a steve goldberg this is tyler zickel saying go blue jays go bisons go cats go djs and go seas this has been an episode of around the nest